Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Star Sports Podcast. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Thanks for being patient with us this week. Usually we post this show on Tuesday or Wednesday. This week was different because we had to wait for the Chiefs coverage group to get back from Germany. They took the long route home and didn't arrive back until midweek. But there's plenty to talk about with beat writer Jesse Newell and columnists Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian, starting with the game itself, a victory over the Miami Dolphins. We do a deep dive on one play from the Chiefs defense and one from the offense before getting into some midseason awards for the team. Okay, let's get going with our jet-lagged crew. Jesse hasn't taken his coat off, I think, since before he left. <laughs> it's pretty cold there, you know. I'm just getting used to it, you know. Uh, but uh, was good. were good times had away yeah, from the yeah. game? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it was, although I will say we, we, we stayed an extra day and that was the goodest of times. Um, but I will also say, I, I don't want to speak for these guys, but I'll start trying to. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, that's never stopped the before. Game. <laughs> <laughs> the game itself, I thought, was a really cool experience. The lead up was okay and interesting, but um, a little segmented. We didn't get that much time with the Chiefs. We didn't get that much time around Frankfurt. We saw some things. Um in terms of the Chiefs championship and got to see the mayor and got to see some fans and some things like that. But the, the, the game itself, just walking in there felt pretty cool. And I think we're all cognizant of sort of the juxtaposition and meshing of the cultures all at once. It was just kind of this strange incongruity. And yet there it was all in one kind of, you know, performative uh, burst. And I, I thought it was pretty cool. So it's a 50,000-seat stadium with a retractable roof, which was closed, I guess, right, for the game. It was closed. And, in fact, that led to the – I guess it had to be closed because I don't know where that scoreboard would normally be hanging. Right. But, I mean, for the minute we were out there, I think we were all looking up thinking somebody's going to hit that scoreboard with a punt. And, and it did happen. Sure uh, enough. The Dolphins punter got it. Um, uh, but what was the – was it was it a an NFL-like crowd? Were there enough – Chiefs fans there, um, Chiefs and Dolphins fans to make it seem like an NFL crowd. Because what I kept hearing was, you know, if, if it was if it was like a soccer crowd, there would be constant noise throughout. And I don't, that's not an NFL crowd. I think that surprised me most because you're the guys talking about going like to London in 2015 where there's just constant noise because basically – People over there didn't know the sport well enough yet, you know. So, oh, third and fifteen, you gain twelve yards. That's a great play. You start cheering. But um, that this fan, these fans seemed into it and like knowing when to make noise for the Chiefs on defense. I know Andy Reid afterwards said the crowd won them the game, which is something similar to what you hear at Arrowhead. But I was sort of anticipating like, yeah, just sort of a soccer buzz throughout the whole thing. But it it felt like a. Um, I know Sporting Park is not quite, or Children's Mercy Park is a little bit smaller than this, but it felt like playing a Chiefs game there. It was really loud, really, really intimate, almost a little bit like when KU plays in the Maui Invitational and you play in the, like, like the high school gym and there's these fans that are really into it. Um, I thought the fans were into it. I thought they were smart about the game. And I guess this sort of makes sense. I kind of think about a lot of people over here where the kind of cool thing to do sometimes is watch uh, international soccer in the mornings. It seems like over there now the cool thing to do is to to watch NFL football in the evenings, and the people over there follow it now better than they did. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was pretty, I was pretty uh, surprised by the crowd and how good they were, how loud they were, and how in tune they were to the game. Because when the Chiefs needed a boost, I thought they definitely got it. I, I may not get the German correct here. Surprise, 
But uh, we did, in looking over the, the next day's newspapers that we came across, there was one that uh, the, the Frankfurt paper itself had a picture of Patrick Mahomes work, going through the stands or by the front of the stands, high-fiving people. And the headline was, Football Conquers Germany. And then there was some subtext. And, and the, the, the final line of the subtext was, even without Taylor Swift, um, <laughs> which just was sort of funny in itself. But the thing you just made me think of, Blair, was another German paper had just a little, um, maybe four paragraphs on the front page with a little uh, thumbnail photo to tease to it inside. And it had a quote from the uh, Kansas City trainer, Andy Reid. <laughs> um, and it, it's and the only words I could make out were loud, which I think is L-A-U-T. It was like the fans were low and aggressive. Um, and I, I think that is sort of the, the summary of <laughs> what, what the fans were like in, in the Chiefs' estimation anyway. Well, I, I like the headline in the Star on Monday, which is where much of the coverage landed because the game was early enough on Sunday. Victory in Germany, right from World War II. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I, I, when I, I was going back through the papers uh, this morning, I guess, and I, I, that I didn't quite... Taking all the meaning of that. <laughs> but hey, we won then. <laughs> and the Chiefs won now. So good times for everyone. Uh, but they ended up winning 21 to 14 over the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the uh, There were a lot to talk about. We'll, we'll touch on a few things. Uh, the, the, the main thing I wanted to discuss from the game itself was the what I consider the, the defensive play of the year. And I don't know in in the history of Facebook lives and big O tire uh, gatherings and podcasts uh, that have covered Chiefs games. If we've ever seen a play on the defensive side that was as um, fascinating as the one that the Chiefs turned right before half, when uh, Trent McDuffie stripped the ball from Tyreek Hill after a short reception. Uh, recovered by Mike Edwards, who lateraled it to Brian Cook, who went for the touchdown. It was an amazing play, and Chiefs don't win the game without that play. So, um, what was said, and what what was the what, what was the the uh, the sense of that? In fact, it was such an interesting you know moment that I believe the three players that I just named were brought into the interview room together, right afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was McDuffie, um, Brian Cook, and Edwards. Yeah, um, yeah, I talked to all of them in the locker room too, and it was sort of an interesting backstory. Mike Edwards said that he picked off a pass within. He couldn't remember whether it was earlier that week or late in the week before, but within the last seven days or so in practice, and lateral to Justin Reed, and he said Justin Reed was kind of surprised by it. So the defensive backs started talking about, "Hey, we're going to do that in a game. Like we're going to lateral." The way that Mike Edwards phrased it, he said, we're going to lateral our way to the end zone. <laughs> and um, Joshua Williams also told the story. Um, and I asked LeJerry Sneed about it. He's like, oh, I forgot about that. That's crazy. That just happened in a game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if Andy Reid would have approved of that plan if he had known that that was an actual discussion <laughs> with, with players. Right. Um, but to what you just said, Blair, I think it already would have been like the most captivating defensive play, probably in the Andy Reid era. But the fact that it was a Tyreek Hill mistake that started it, um, I mean, just sweet, totally sweeten the pot, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, just sort of, I mean, just totally amplifies just the significance of that play. And 
like I wrote in the column, I mean, one play is not going to make or break this Tyreek Hill trade. I think that the conclusion and the finality of that trade should have been decided long ago. Um, but that does segue to where the Chiefs are now, which is this team that, look, at the end of that game in Germany, the defense was required to win that game. I actually think that was the more comfortable spot than asking the offense to go down the field and score. And I can't believe that's a true statement in the Patrick Mahomes era, but that defense is built on the back of that Tyreek Hill trade. I know people were making a big deal of Trent McDuffie, that he caused it. Like, they didn't directly get that pick um, from Tyreek Hill, but the attitude at that time was this thing's going to be built on depth. And that's where their defense is. That's why their defense is really good. Nick Bolton, the leader of that defense, is out right now, and they just held the Dolphins to their worst out, best offense in the league to their very worst outing of the season. 20 points below their average. And um, it, it the three of us in the press tribune, I guess we'd call it, <laughs> instead of press box, I think, we're, I think we'll all, maybe a lot of Chiefs fans will remember this too, but I think there's some plays you see in your in your sports writing career that just are going to stick with you. And that I feel like that's one of those handful or a dozen that's going to always be etched in our minds just because of the really jaw-dropping way it, it played out. And one of the things um, with Brian Cook was that the Next Gen Stats had the, the bit where that was the fastest a Chiefs ball carrier ran with the ball this season. Yeah, which, which also speaks like they've gone away from speed on offense this year. <laughs> but there were a few elements of that play. I mean, look, Trent McDuffie wasn't involved in turnovers last year. He's already forced four fumbles this year. It's leads, clear, leads the league. It's clearly been an emphasis for a player that I think we all think is already – like he's, he's playing at a Pro Bowl level this year. He's potentially a future All-Pro player. Then you've got, you know, Mike Edwards, who Jesse and I talked about throughout camp, did not have a great training camp. And he has been involved in a lot of key plays over the past, what, month or so. Um, he also blocks as soon as he laterals the ball. And then you've got <laughs> Brian Cook, who did not even run a good 40 time. And um, it was funny to hear the way that Patrick Mahomes, like, didn't just say that Brian Cook ran fast. It was, he described the way he was, you know, he got his knees up. I told him he's got to get his knee. You know, we heard him use that phrase with Rashi Rice after the Chargers game. He's got to get his knees up. It's like there were a lot of players that were very in tune after the game with the way that play had unfolded during the game. And I think different players were, um, different parts of that play animated different players differently, probably. It would have, um, it's an unforgettable play no matter the outcome of the game, but Chiefs needed to win for us to, you know, to, to remember this play as fondly as, as Chiefs fans yeah, are going to remember point, it. Yeah. Um, and the Chiefs, and, and, you know, it was a great moment for the defense. Another great moment for the defense was uh, the, the final series that Miami had and, you know, facing the, um, where were they? They got into about the after the two runs by Mostert, they got down to about the thirty, uh, the Chiefs thirty, and uh, and then the Chiefs forced a couple of uh, an incompletion from from Tua, and then the uh, the bad snap to end the game. But that was set up by what I thought was the worst moment for the Chiefs in this game, and that was the call on third and one uh, from the from the nineteen, and Chiefs couldn't convert it. The play calling was suspect as far as I'm concerned, and it also uh, magnifies a problem that we have seen throughout the first half of this season, Chiefs in short yardage situation, 
what was the uh, what was the level of groan in the stadium from the Chiefs fans? There was an exchange in the post game at the Jesse was there post game, yeah. so I think he should describe. It was our old buddy Adam Teicher and, and Andy having an exchange about that play. Well, yeah, he's uh, he asked him about why pass the ball in that situation, and Andy basically said, if I if I pass it, you're going to ask me why I run it, and if I run it, you're going to ask me why I pass it. Um, he did, if you watch, he said this in the post game, Andy did, and he also said if you watch the post game video the Chiefs posted on their side, he says, O-line, I owe you one. I owe yeah. you one. In the locker room, you're talking about after the game. That's after the game, he, he also said it to reporters, he said, I, to, to Adam's question, he said, I owe the offensive line one because I should have trusted them that particular play. Now, um, I will go a little bit on the other side of this because the very first possession that we're going to laud them for, they had a third and one, and they ran a very, very similar play which was a pick play for Travis Kelsey. They did, they did that old H-back dive that they ran so with so much success with Michael Burton, and they faked it. And Travis Kelsey runs right into Sky Moore's man. Sky Moore's the guy in the backfield. He swings out, and they throw an easy pass. It's yeah. six yards. Mm-hmm. They run a very similar play on this third and one, Blair, if you watch it again. The thing is that Miami has switched up its coverage, and this is kind of, to me, a bigger picture what we're looking at with the Chiefs here, which is – these scripted plays from Andy Reid are still the scripted plays from Andy Reid. When he's picking on tendencies and what he thinks defenses are going to do, they march down the field. In this particular play, Travis Kelsey does the same thing. He comes around, he picks Noah Gray's man, what he thinks, except Miami switches the coverage on it. And so they have a guy just waiting on the outside to meet up with Noah Gray. Mahomes panics a little bit, rolls out to his right when all his receivers are on the left. Looked like Sky Moore beats some man coverage way, way down the field. He was looking at Sky Moore. He didn't throw it. How many times is that like on your bingo card? Patrick Mahomes looks at Sky Moore and doesn't throw it. Um, but again, it, it speaks to some of the issues the Chiefs have, which is Andy can still scheme it up. They can still surprise defenses. It's just the defenses now are adjusting, and the Chiefs are struggling to find answers to those adjustments. And or they are real, getting really good at these scripted plays because they have young players, and they're not as good at the ones that are unscripted that they don't know are coming in a particular week. So anyway, this third one play is kind of fascinating because it does speak to a lot of the Chiefs' issues, which is, Mahomes trusts in his receivers, the Chiefs being able to execute plays that they don't practice all week and are outside the, the 15 that they start with, and the Chiefs being able to sort of adjust the defenses adjusting to them. Miami made a good adjustment that game. The Chiefs were not able to adjust to that, and uh, that's why that that pass didn't work, along with, again, not trusting your offensive line potentially in a run situation when you just needed to get the one yard. There, there's If you also go back and watch that play, like the – any other team looks at that play and says, wow, the quarterback sneak is just wide freaking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw some views. Miami only has four down linemen. Usually in third and short, you got to put five guys on the ground. you got to put probably three defensive tackles, two of them lined up over center. Miami just knows that the Chiefs, that's out of the Chiefs' playbook. Like, whenever the Chiefs ultimately decide to actually run that play, first of all, I think it's going to have to be Patrick Mahomes just calling it in the huddle himself. But I also think it would be saved for an AFC Championship, Super Bowl type thing. But it's going to work because teams are defending this other stuff. And I actually thought the most telling thing about what Andy Reid said is, you know, as far as if, well, if I would have run it, you would ask me, like, he's basically acknowledging that what they have is not working on short yardage because he could have said, well, if he actually truly believes the run would work, we, I mean, fair, fair to him. We don't ask about a lot of these when they work because they're so glaring when they do not. And we are grading the Chiefs on a curve. I mean, they're average. They're average at this. We're grading on the curve of having a much better than average offense. Why are they only average at this? And I really think that one of the primary issues is the ugly play is, is just out of, out of their playbook. Can we speak to it, this too? And I'll get to. I'll, I'll let you talk here, Ryan. But I mean, so much. 
I think so much of the AFC Championship game, you know, the Bengals dropped eight in coverage because they couldn't run the football and when, when the Bengals beat them. So last year, what they do? They loaded up on tight ends. They got Isaiah Pacheco. And in these, some of these situations, they could run the football. And now they're back with these new tackles, I would say, and potentially some of their interior players, uh, you know, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, not quite run blocking the way they have in the past. They're back to a point where I feel like it's two years ago where, man, it would be nice, as Andy Reid said, if you trust your O-line and you know you can trust your O-line and you can just go up the middle and run the football. But I think we are back at a point where part of the reason Patrick Mahomes is uncomfortable because he's feeling like he's not only having to carry receivers, but he's also carrying a run game that's kind of non-existent right now. And, and they haven't run blocked as well. Now, I think this game they did better against Miami than previous games, but uh, it still brings up kind of that thought, which is I thought so much of what they figured out last year was, hey, you can run the football at certain times, be successful with it, and be okay. Um, I know they had some of the short yardage problems last year as well, but it just doesn't, doesn't feel like the run offense is quite where it needs to be. Miami might have been a step in the right direction. They did run the ball with some success, but it just has kind of been disjointed, it feels like, for the whole season. The only other thing I'd add about the, 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 the sneak notion here is, I mean, you do look at different angles of that play, and it's so wide open for a sneak that – it, as sophisticated as the Chiefs' offense is, all the range of things you know Patrick's allowed to to deviate to and adjust to and call and and all the ways these guys you know read each other's minds, it's sort of stunning to me that there's not just a he can tap Creed on the on the hip and say let's just go. It could be that's and, well, and, he's under center too and that's, for this play. And yeah, and and so part of what I wonder is, and and you know we all think about these things right, but maybe maybe that's only good for something you can do one time and, and why do it there? And, you know, maybe it's going to pay big dividends in the AFC championship game or something. It does remind me of quarterback though. Remember Kirk Cousins did that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like, you stopped. don't want Kirk Cousins doing but, that. So but, again, it opens but, you up to a whole new thing, but, but with Mahomes, you probably trust him. But in that case, it was goal line and like five, six, seven down linemen. I mean, this was as Sam pointed out four four down linemen. Not only that spaced out, I mean, it was it was like a safe play. To it was just so funny. Like Kevin O'Connell was just incredulous. I know he it's was. Fourth and why goal, would you like, do that? What are you doing? <laughs> so my, why would you do that? My only, and I know we've got other topics, Blair, but um, <laughs> but we don't care about those. No, this is significant. My, my thought on it, though, is if if you like, I actually do think that she's this this play is in the she's playbook. I disagree with the notion that it's just totally out of their playbook because I think Patrick Mahomes wants it to be in their playbook, and so I think the one thought is you save it for when you need it. AFC Championship, Super Bowl. But I think the opposite thought of that is because of what we saw Miami doing, if the Chiefs had already run that this year, Miami would not have had the ability to right. play with four down linemen on that play. And first of all, if they're going to play with four down linemen, they do need to run the ball. Like, And if they, they're not able to run the ball, that's the other problem, which four of – I mean, you look on Pro Football Focus, four of their – uh, lineman, everyone but Trey Smith is significantly better at pass block than yes. they are run block. Like it is a large. Mm. You just looked at their pass blocking, you'd say this is a really good offensive line. You just looked at the run blocking, you'd say this is a really bad offensive line. Like it's a, a big time gap. But four down linemen, you got to run the ball. But I do think the quicker the Chiefs are just willing to show that they're uh, willing to run the play, the more defenses will change and at least say we, we got to consider this play. It's got to at least be in the back of our minds. What I'm to, just to continue the thought on the running game, uh, we'll, we'll we need to spend more time talking about the offensive line and the progress of the new tackles, and and I, I do think the interior of the offensive line is kind of taking a step back collectively. No, you're right. Yeah, uh, yes. from from last season, but Isaiah Pacheco, the hardest running back 
you know, in the NFL, it averages more than four yards per carry. Didn't get a chance in that situation. Jarek McKinnon, who was the AFC Offensive Player of the Month, the final month of last season, has like 12 rushing attempts this year. I, I don't know. The, the, the Chiefs no longer, they, I guess they have completely abandoned the idea of the jet sweep or the pop pass. Uh, and I'm not saying that, that that was the occasion to use it, but I'm just looking for reasons why the, the running game isn't what it you know what I think it should be, and those elements are missing from from the Chiefs. Well, I think the jet sweep is because the, whatever I just mentioned about the run blocking, like the tackles are on the biggest <laughs> extremes of it, and there's a lot of execution that you're tackling yeah. deck to have to make that play work. And but you're right, we haven't okay. seen that play with the same regularity. And, I mean, God, the Chiefs already had a guy on the roster that could run it. Now they've acquired another one a few weeks ago. So, yep. well, By the way, not only not with same regularity, but nowhere near the same success. I mean, I feel like it's been a dud almost every time that we have seen it, hasn't it? Well, and I remember breaking down one. I mean, not only your end guys on the offensive line, the receivers have to block. I remember Rasheed yeah, Rice yeah. blew one completely on a short yardage play that, that backed him up. So you have to have everybody executing on this, and so we shouldn't just pick on the tackles. You have to have perimeter guys doing their job as well. Uh, ben Baldwin does some great stuff on Twitter, but uh, he kind of does takes different metrics that, um, you know, that separately rank offensive line rankings in both pass blocking and run blocking, puts them together. So you can kind of get a nice view of the crowds, basically on the, some of these advanced measures. Chiefs right now are fourth in pass blocking uh, in the NFL and 26th in run blocking, <laughs> according to those measures. So, um, you know, Blair, I think probably the answer to your question is the simplest answer, which is, for one, passing is more successful in the NFL than running. You'd rather be a good passing team than a running team. I think the Chiefs had a big benefit last year by being able to run the football, but at some point you want to play to your strengths too. And uh, I know Patrick Mahomes has been hesitant to throw the football, which has been a big part of him taking these sacks and having these negative plays in recent games. But all in all, the last two games, I thought they passed blocked pretty well. And so at some point you just sort of, I think Randy Reid, just kind of look at this or uh, Matt Nagy and say, well, is the run blocking going to get better? Maybe, but right now the pass blocking is better, and you're also putting the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. So uh, it's it's kind of a tricky thing to figure out at this point in the season. And having said all that, you know what? DVOA, uh, the advanced measure, saying they're like sixth in the NFL instead of first like they normally are. So um, this is not a team that's fallen off the cliff, but it's definitely not the offense we all expect. And they are, uh, Mahomes is the least sacked quarterback in the NFL. And that has a lot to do with Mahomes. But in the last two games, he's been sacked quite a bit or pressured quite a bit. And also has a lot to do with Mahomes. Okay, uh, we are at the mid-season point for the Chiefs. I think the bye comes at a great time for them. I can remember, and by I bet you remember this too. Um, Twenty, it was I believe it was 2016. The Chiefs had a bye, or their bye was the first week it was available, like week five, right? So they play a month of games, and they get the bye, and they got another 12 games to play. Uh, I, I just think this is the, the ideal time. You've played Chiefs. Everybody else, three preseason games, nine regular season games. You know they'll be in the playoffs, so eight plus, you know, one, two, or three playoff games. It really does come at the midway point of the of, of the season. So, good, good good time for the Chiefs to take a week off, and a good time to do some evaluating in terms of um, some midseason honors for the Chiefs. So I got three categories here. I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, the, the, I'll just tell you up front the categories are uh, top defensive player, top newcomer, and most improved player. I didn't do offensive player of the year. It's just hard to balance with, you know, with a quarterback and all. But um, and I'm not sure. I'm Patrick not... Mahomes. There we go. We can move on to the next one. Okay. So was a Kelsey, but um, 
Uh, but yeah, but th- th- that's what makes it obvious. Um, top defensive player of the year. Who is the who's the defensive MVP of the first half of the season? I mean, I, I'd take Trent McDuffie. Um, I think that their secondary is the reason. I mean, you look at the numbers. Their 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 secondary is what I think it's like second in pass defense this year as far as the way it's graded. Um, I mean, Chris Jones was great for the first five weeks. He's been pretty non-existent for the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Part of that is because of game planning stuff. But um, I just think Trent McDuffie has really developed into a terrific player this year. And I do think I would take a shutdown cornerback over a really top defensive interior lineman, too. I really can't disagree on McDuffie, and I, I really no inclination to. I, I think Sam's point is right about how Chris was – if we you'd asked this question three weeks ago, maybe I'd have said Chris, um, but it, it's also obviously pretty fresh in our minds all that all that Trent McDuffie did in this game. But it's not like that just came out of nowhere, um, and it, you know he's added these dimensions where like it, I can't remember which you guys pointed this out earlier, but he's created four turnovers um, different ways, and um, I, a moment stuck out to me. It was running laterally with Tyree Kill across the field the other day, which is different than running step for step down the field. But he defended him stride for stride coming across. And I just I just remember thinking that that's, to me, his speed is an underappreciated part of what he can do. So knows how to cover speed. I do think I never saw a good replay of it. That touchdown in the end zone, uh, I saw a bunch of people suggesting he'd been pushed off pretty well on that play one way or another his legs were tangled up but i i i, I think that's a that's my answer too care to make it unanimous uh, i will make it unanimous um I, I mean if there's a tiebreaker between him and jones i'd probably just say that he played the first game so uh <laughs> jones has been really good you know he has been uh sam pointed out perfectly which is the last two games he's been not average he's been kind of bad uh but the first five games he was really really good so if we had taken this three weeks ago i'd definitely say chris jones with a bullet but i would say over the course of the season it's been mcduffie and he also allows them to do so many things in their secondary too with his flexibility sometimes you know he allows andreas need to travel he can play safety if you need him to he's a really sure tackler he's aggressive in the run game but he just he does so much for them um, but I, I, I definitely think it's going to be a moment where Chris Jones steps up here late in the season again, and uh, we talk and sing his praises too. I think that's right. Um, yeah, look, he had his best game in the AFC Championship game a year ago against the Bengals. Okay, top newcomer. That could be a rookie, although not so much with this year's class. Um, more likely a trade or a free agent signing. Um, Jesse, let's, let's start with you on this one. Hmm. So who do we got in this in this category? At least for options, we got Drew Tranquil, Drew Tranquil, Amenihu, um, Rashi Rice, Rashi Rice, and Mike, uh, Mike Edwards, Mike Edwards. Uh, the, the two offensive tackles. Yeah, um, I'll. Yeah, you can take Taylor, Jawan Taylor, if you want. Uh, that's the wrong category uh, for him. <laughs> uh, if, if we had a different category and newcomer, he might he might fit into that one. Unfortunately for him, with all the penalties, I guess I'll. St- I, I mean, I think the pick is here is Rasheed Rice. Um, listen, I remember grading the draft and talking to you about it, Sam, and that was kind of me the hinge pick of the whole draft for the Chiefs. They traded up for Rasheed Rice. It didn't seem like they needed to, and they stuck behind it and said, this is the scouting evaluation that this guy is going to be good, uh, that he can help him right away and serve a certain role for them. And even if the production, the surprise at this point has been good for him, but I think the promise of what it's going to be is, is even better as he gets more comfortable. Uh, so uh, I'll stick with him in this role and, and think that, you know, 
that was one of those where Brad Beach kind of just put it out there in, in the press conference and say, got to trust the scouts and got to trust him on this one. They got to put his neck out there. So far, they've been right. So I think I deserve credit for that. Just because just I want to take the same one. The only thing I will add on Rice is because I looked this up today, he leads the NFL in yards after catch <coughs> per reception this year. Oh, wow. They throw to Rashi Rice really short passes. You know, his average depth of targets only like 5.2. But 8.2 yards after catch per reception, and which leads all of NFL, not just rookies, among players with at least 20 targets this year. Just just to throw out something different, I'll, I'll say Drew Tranquil. Um, you know, he, he leads the team in tackles, 56, and that's that's sort of an imperfect measure, but it's 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 interesting. Um, second in sacks to, although third in sacks actually, because Mike Dana and Chris Jones each have 5.5. Drew Tranquil with three and a half. I hadn't realized this. Maybe you guys did. The Chiefs were second in the NFL in sacks. Uh, tied yeah. at, at, at The Ravens have 35. Chiefs have 31. A couple other teams tied with the Chiefs. But I think I asked myself if they did not have Tranquil in this situation with, with Bolton out hurt, where would they be? So I, 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 I like his case. I'm with you, Andrew. Tranquil. What a, what a smart get for the Chiefs. As it turns out, okay, and most improved is the, is the final category here. A lot of candidates for that, I, I think, especially on the defensive side. Um, players like George Karloftis, yeah. McDuffie, Justin Reed, even Brian Cook. Um, look, we, yeah, Leo Chanel singing the praises of the defense. Uh, we spent a lot of this show doing that, and I, I think probably we'll, we'll our, our top candidates are on that side. So, Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, all those, it's remarkable how much the last year's draft class was such a topic and that this year it's not been the topic. And all of those guys, other than maybe like Sky Moore, has taken a pretty significant step forward. Um, and, you know, I mean, that that is my point on when I said earlier that it's, this part of this is on the backs of the Tyree Kill Trey. Like they were able to be flexible in last year's draft. And a lot of these guys just contributed earlier than we thought. But, man, they've. Steve Spagnuolo has, and I think Dave Merritt, too, have proven to be really good teachers of the game, even within it. Um, I know I'm doubling down, and Trent McDuffie had a good year last year, but I still think he's taken um, such a significant step forward and that it's been the most instrumental to where their defense is playing. So I'm still going to stick with him for this, too. Walking away with all the awards. Yeah, I find it hard to disagree with that uh, reasoning. And, and I, you know, I, I would have... Maybe I thought I'd certainly throw Justin Reed into that mix too, only because Reed's I, thought, a good one too, yeah. I thought Justin was, I don't want to say he was disappointing last year exactly, but I, I didn't ever feel like he was in the flow of things the way he is now. Um, you'd, so go, I, you'd go yeah. games without realizing that Justin Reed was on the field, yeah. to be honest, last yeah. year. And that's certainly not been the case this year. I think Justin really turned on toward the end of last year, um, but by then he kind of, um, it had been a disappointing start to him at that point, but you know, kind of weeks. When he, which is the Bengals game when he talked about the tight end and then didn't have a great game. And then right after that, from about weeks 13 to 18, was really good. But I mean, yeah, I think you're sort of arguing honorable mentions here. Uh, unfortunately, these other players, but I mean, Karloftis has been great for them this year. Like, if, if there was a question mark maybe about the rookie class last year out of the top, top guys, I think Karloftis might have been it. And First half of the year. Yeah, yeah and I, I, I don't I don't feel that way anymore. I mean, I think they got a player in Karloftis. Top uh, 10 in the NFL in pressures is Karloftis. Brian Cook, we have to throw in there? I mean, he's making some big plays now. He seems to know what he's doing, and now he's letting his athleticism 
play up. You guys mentioned Leo Chanel. An underrated one I do want to also highlight is, and maybe this is where Drew Tranquil's signing helps a lot too, but I think we're seeing the best of Willie Gay. I, I think he's had a better year yeah, than we've too. seen from him, and part of that might just be he doesn't have to be in there every single snap. Now, things change a little bit when Nick Bolton's out, but uh, he's played really well, and I also want to compliment him because he's played really disciplined. I don't think we've always seen that from him, but there's some of those blitzes where he comes in under control, bats a pass down where I think he would have just come in a million miles an hour in, in previous years, and he's had a really good season. But, you know, if you'd have told me Trent McDuffie was going to be our pick for the defensive player of the year halfway through the season for the Chiefs, I, I wouldn't have believed you before the season. So uh, he has to be the player. He is the most improved for the Chiefs. And I, I just have to always bring up the fact that, you know, you look at him, if this was flipped, and the Chiefs had taken Kyrie Elam, and the Buffalo Bills had taken Trent McDuffie, what would we be talking about right now? He's screaming at the Chiefs. To Sam's point, maybe that's nurture, too. Maybe that is the fact that he gets to work with Steve Spagnuolo. He gets to work in the Chiefs system. He gets to work with Dave Merritt, all those sorts of things. Whatever the case may be, the Chiefs have Trent McDuffie. The Bills have Kyrie Elam. It's a big difference why you have a separation between those two teams. The Chiefs got this one right, and uh, he's been the most improved player for them. Just one quick note on Karloftis. You know, he's got 12 sacks in his career. 11 and a half, of, uh, 11 and a half of them have come since week 11 of last year. Mm. So it's basically less than a full season where he's had 11 and a half sacks after having half a sack in his first 10 games. He had that. It's last week when he had. I mean, it, he's not ever going to be the guy with the most bend out there, but he's worked to improve himself. We know he went with Tom Ali to kind of improve that stuff, yeah. but he had a little wiggle around the edge and then did that like Derek Thomas chop on the ball. I mean, it's this horror play where you're like, man, the Chiefs, the Chiefs probably got something here. Now, last year, it felt more like Chris Jones getting after him. Okay, Karloff just keeps working. He keeps working. He keeps working. Gets a sack maybe three and a half, four seconds in. Hey, you get a hustle play. That's great, but you're taking advantage of maybe other people. This year, it's George Karloff just being his own man, I think. And so, uh, again, it's, it's hard to like downplay what he's done because I think it's been pretty significant, but it really doesn't compare to, I think, what Trent, what Trent McDuffie has done. He's, he's taken a major step. And good chance for me to, you know, say mea culpa. On, uh, I, I mentioned Jones and Dana with 5.5, but George Karloff just leads them with six sacks. It's, it's, you know, I think the two position coaches we hear most about from players themselves are Dave Merritt and Joe, Joe Cole. Cole. Yeah. Last year's question marks were about the secondary. This year's question marks were about the defensive line. And both of those have not been the weaknesses that we anticipated. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we hear a lot about those position coaches from the players. Andy Reid compliments all of his position coaches. Those are the two we hear about. I think it's a good point. That's a really good point. One last thought on Karloftis. He had a game earlier this year. It was at Arrowhead. I can't remember the opponent where he batted down two passes. Yeah. So he gets his Chargers, Chargers game. Right? He also has been used a lot in passing uh, to coverage. Yeah. Which yeah. Gets yep. drops, drops in the coverage. And the fact that we're not talking about that means he's doing his job in that. And it allows, I mean, this is what Steve Spagnuolo does now. He's got versatile players like McDuffie and like Karloftis that allow him to move these pieces around and do things that kind of confuse offenses. So, again, kudos to Karloftis because God knows if, if people were scoring touchdowns over the top of him, we'd be talking about it. But they aren't, yeah. even though he's been used quite a bit for a defensive lineman in these sorts of situations. Okay, uh, final thoughts here. Um, we're about to uh, – Chiefs will begin the second half of the season against the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. It'll be the third straight week the Chiefs – um, didn't not not didn't play on a Sunday, but had their Sunday off, right? Uh, Europe bye week, Monday night football. So it'll be an abnormal Sunday for three straight weeks for the Chiefs. 
Um, let me ask you guys a question. I th or maybe put it this way. Uh, can we agree that the second half of the schedule more difficult for the Chiefs than the first half of the schedule? I think somewhat oh, yeah. by far. Yeah. I, I think. They caught I mean, some teams at the worst time, too. I mean, Bengals struggled first month and a half of the season. Bengals look pretty good. I think the Bills will be better. You don't so want to absolutely. face the Raiders right now compared to what you would have in the first half, I think, right? I think they'll be okay. Well, if I were to, <laughs> <laughs> not as convinced. If I were to tell you if the season ended today um, and each AFC NFC gets seven playoff teams, which side of the Chiefs' schedule has more playoff teams, the first half or the second half? I'm just guessing it's a trick question. <laughs> it is. Um, the first half has four playoff teams, or teams that are in the playoff picture now. The second half, only two, because Buffalo is not. Buffalo's out. The, Buffalo's yeah. out in our Miami and Jacksonville, right? They've already played. And then from the AFC, or the NFC, Detroit and Minnesota are... Cool in the playoffs right now. Well, I'll give you breaking news. The Bills are going to make it. So there you go. <laughs> Heard it here first. Well, let's just say four teams from the AFC North are not going to make it. They're not going to get all four teams. And unfortunately, in. NFC, you got to throw somebody in there. <laughs> right. So I thought that was interesting. Though, it is interesting. Yeah. 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 There are more playoff teams in the first half of the schedule right now than the second half. So, okay. Great conversation. Great to have you guys back from Germany. And we'll do it again soon. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks to producer Monty Davis for putting together the show and to our Sportsbeat Casey staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell, Jesse Newell, and Vahe Gregorian for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition is the best digital sports page in America. Chiefs, college football and basketball, Royals, Sporting KC, The Current, plus dozens of pages of national and international sports, all a few clicks away. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in and around Kansas City. Mm-hmm.